and welcome back. This is the second episode of our 1 to 11 series on the podcast. Today we're going to be running through our best current World 11. Uh, this was a difficult one. There uh, wasn't really a criteria. Um, I didn't know whether to choose the best informed players at the minute or the best players um, that have been playing for a long time and base it off their career. But um, we're going to go for it anyway. I'm going to ask Ben to give us his goalkeeper first uh, and talk us through his formation as well. Uh, I've gone with a 4-3-3 to start with. Um, tried to keep it to the usual concept squad formation. Um, but to be honest, it wasn't wasn't really that that difficult to do so. Um, my goalkeeper choice was very obvious. Um, it it it. It was quite nearly not obvious um, because the, the guy that I wanted originally, um, Ike Casillas, uh, retired in February, so I thought we won't count that. Um, but I've gone for Gigi Buffon in goal. Um, can't really persuade me otherwise on this one. Incredible keeper. I had two spells at Juve, spanning well over 17 years. Um, and not just on the longevity front, you know, he's still... Um, one of the best, one of the best goalkeepers in the world in terms of form. If you ask me, you still have to, still have to consider him. I'd say, whether in the top ten, but certainly up there. Um, but for for a, a long period of that of those eighteen years, he was uh, the best goalkeeper in the world. So he had to go. Okay, uh, I'll just talk through my. I've gone for Allison, based off more recent performances. Yeah. Um, I thought. It's amazing, actually. I was reading up. Roma bought him for six point five million, and then obviously he was sold to Liverpool for sixty-five million. Yeah. So that's quite a hefty profit. profit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but just looking at last year, uh, you won the Yashin Award, best FIFA goalkeeper, made the FIFA Pro World Eleven, Champions League winner, Champions League goalkeeper of the season. Um, when he was in Serie A, he was in the Team of the Year, goalkeeper of the year. Uh, it's quite unbelievable his recent. Um, accolade, so I thought I'll, I'll get him in the team, especially as a Liverpool yeah. fan as well. Yeah, and I think the, the thing that impresses me about Alisson, mostly as a Liverpool fan, is that actually when when he arrived at Liverpool, it was um, it was possibly one of the uh, positions in world football that very few goalkeepers wanted to play um, because of the sort of stigma since sort of Pepe Reina left. But even in Pepe Reina's last season, you know, he didn't have a great season in his last season. Uh, but since then, we really struggled to have um, a keeper with any sort of confidence, didn't we? And, yeah, um, he just, he oozes confidence. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it is a little bit too much confidence at times. Yeah. But um, <laughs> especially after, you know, we put like, seven past him in the Champions League and he'd, he'd had an absolutely awful game. Um, against us at Anfield uh, when we played Roma in the Champions League um, but yeah you can't fault him I mean you know I think what we're probably going to have throughout this entire episode when we've got different choices one of us will have probably gone for a player you know that you use the longevity argument others you use the proper in form and there's absolutely no doubt that if Alisson continues in, in the way that that he has done at Liverpool a few years down the line, you could be comparing him to the likes of Buffon in terms of how good their career was over so many years. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of current form, I don't think anyone's beating him really other than possibly Oblak, but that's an argument that can be had another time. Yeah. 
Um, then we move on to defence, and you've got four at the back. So who's your right back option? Again, this was this was um, this was a choice between two. It was between um, Joshua Kimmich and uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, I don't believe it was the inner Liverpool fan that made me pick Trent in the end. Um, I I think what he what he's achieved at Liverpool since he's arrived is something which actually he doesn't deserve enough credit for. But I think the only the reason why he doesn't deserve enough credit um, is because he doesn't seem like a twenty year old or nineteen or however however old he is. You know, he's such a mature player, um, yeah. and it, it's amazing to think that you know he's only actually been playing in the senior Liverpool squad for the small amount of time that he has. Um, yeah. In the 84 uh, appearances he's made in the Premier League for Liverpool, only 55 goals have been conceded, 65% tackle rate, uh, obviously world record holder for most assists in a Premier League season. And this guy yeah. is, you know, only a couple of years older than, than we are um, and, you know, has got easily another 10, potentially 15 years left in his career. And, we're, you know, he's already... Um, arguably the best right back in the world at the moment. Yeah, and it's really telling there that you said, is he 19, 20, 21? You don't know because it feels like he's been in that squad as long as you can remember, really. He's just yeah. slotted in so well. and I, I can't imagine a Liverpool team without him now. No, and I also think, you know, I mean, right back, right back, both full-back positions aren't really... Well, they, they never were to me than about you or the majority of football fans, but never really an attractive position to watch. You know, your, your attractive players, are, are your, the the engine the engine room players in the midfield, your strikers, how good, you know, if you've got a massive centre-back that's just a magnet to the ball um, and a goalkeeper. Whereas left-back and right-back, you know, were sort of overlooked as being... As they weren't, they weren't really attractive positions to play in. Um, yeah. But both Trent Alexander-Arnold and you can argue Andy Robertson on the left-hand side as well um, have made, have sort of re- not well whether they've reinvented those positions, but certainly brought a completely different game to to those um, to those positions, different roles to those positions. It's just so exciting to watch. So exciting. Yeah, there's that famous. Uh saying isn't there no one wants to grow up a Gary Neville but that's certainly been reinvented hasn't it yes yeah. I'm sure quite a few people now quite a few kids want to grow up a Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah and I even you just look at like when I walk around when when I've been to Anfield and what have you and obviously living where I do you see a lot of Liverpool shirts with a lot of names on the back and never have I seen so many um, names on the back of shirts that are of a left-back or a right-back. You know, when did you... Like, I remember the shirts that I had when I was... When I first got into Liverpool, it was Suarez and seven and Gerrard and eight. You know, it, it, it was centre-mids or strikers. They were they were, attack, they were um, attractive players, you know, in terms of the football that they played. You never had... Well, you very rarely had two in Glenn Johnson or three in Jose Enrique. You know, it was... But now nowadays it's um, it, it's a lot more balanced in that respect. So and I do believe, as I say, the a huge part of the reason for that is is because of Trent Alexander Arnold. So he had to go in in the end. Okay. I'm guessing your whole defence is quite Liverpool dominated. 
Actually, no. There's only um, it's only half dominated by Liverpool. There's only two Liverpool players in in there. Um, so who else have you got then? So uh, to go through to go for the other Liverpool player, it's uh, Van Dijk. Obvious, really. I mean, I can give you the stats: uh, 57 clean sheets from 148 prem appearances, um, and obviously that was that's including Southampton as well. Um, only lost uh, 28. Um, of the 148 appearances, scored 12 times. Um, one of the best centre backs seen in the Premier League and in the world for a long, long time. I, I, I do believe. Um, I do believe he is the best centre back in the world at the moment. And he's still only 28, which in centre back terms, if you look after yourself, he's still quite young, I'd say. Um, yeah, he could have another seven years yeah yeah quite easily whether whether it's as competitive at this Liverpool level I don't think so um, you'd probably have maybe five years at that at that level at a push um, but you know we're also forgetting the fact that he played for Southampton and Celtic beforehand and, and those two clubs paved the way for him to to come to Liverpool and and really show uh, really show the world what he was made of uh, this was the first decision, the, the first difficult, really difficult decision I had. Um, but I've gone for Gerard Piquet. Um, it it was between him and Ramos, um, but it it was a case of personal preference because um, I I really don't like uh, Ramos as, as a character um, and the way that he the way that he plays is quite a dirty player. Um, I know Piquet's had his fair fair share as well, but. Um, PK's had an amazing career for Barcelona, won an awful lot of trophies, and you know has had all sorts of um, centre back partners with him. Uh, you know has been through a, many generations of, of of Barcelona team, um, and he's still playing now and, and and still one of the best centre backs in the world. So he had to go in for me. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense that choice. I'm I'm interested to hear who you've gone. A left back now. Um, I was expecting Robertson, so uh, why don't you tell me who you've chosen? Yeah, it's it was a purely um, longevity, sort of a, a decision of longevity on this one. Uh, Jordi Alba, um, yeah. one of the best left backs ever, uh, if you ask me. I think um, for the fact that he's an amazing defender as well as as a player that goes forward. You know that that's possibly something that. Robertson can develop in the future, but as a defender, Robertson is not nowhere near as good as he is going forward. Whereas Alba is this um, and always has been this all-round player, I'd say. Um, and you know, I think he's 30, 32, 33 now, roughly. Um, but you can't really see him slowing down yet. You know, you, you can see him certainly having another season or two at Barcelona at the, at the highest level, and then. Um, whether he decides to retire at the top or have a gradual sort of decline, he's an amazing player and an asset to any team. So it was Alba all day long for me. Yeah, I, I definitely considered him. I chose someone else though. Um, I'll run you through my defence. Yeah. Uh, I've gone interestingly for Kimmich. Oh, okay. Uh, I was in two minds here. Nearly chose Trent. Uh, initially, I thought it's got to be Trent. Um, and then I just remembered, I thought, no, just uh, look around a bit. Um, yeah. And I thought that he's so versatile, playing at right back and CDM. Yeah. Brings tons and tons of 
attacking quality into a Bayern Munich team which hardly needs any more attacking quality. Um, he's got a 92% pass success rate. Finished last season with the second most assists in the league at 13. Um, he's not quite reached those levels this year, but that's because he's playing as a CDM rather than a right back, so not a position that he can go forward as much. Yeah. Um, but, but last season as a right back, so many assists. Um, and it's his defensive ability then that did it for me because he's able to maintain the same assist level as Trent, um, but he's also won 60% of duels, just over 60%, yeah. um, which is actually almost 15% better than Trent. Yeah. And it's it's just, just worse than 15% worse than Van Dijk. So that really says something. 15% worse than Van Dijk makes you a bloody good defender. Yeah, definitely. It, it's he's a he's a young Philip Lahm in the making by you know the positions that he plays and, and how good a player he is. Um, it it's a tough call, but you know after those two, really, the, the, there was nobody else that actually came into contention for me. So it, it kind of shows how um, how both players are justified because there's nobody else that. I don't believe really comes close in, in this debate other than Trent and Kimmich and, and both of us considered him but we, we just ended up picking different ways. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult to put any two players in world football right now on the, the same level yeah. as those two for that position. Um, then I've gone for Kulabai as my first tennis back. I knew you would. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm a, you know a favourite. Um, he's, he's widely considered as one of the best defenders in the world right now. Uh, he's got such an aggressive, powerful style of play. Sometimes he, he's known a bit for you know the yellow or red cards, um, yeah. but you know PK and Ramos are as well. So I yeah. don't think that was a reason not to put him in the team. Yeah. Um, he's he's made consistently made the Syria uh, team of the seasons and won Syria defender of the season. Um, and I just thought he has to go in every time you see him come up against the team outside of Syria so in the Champions League he just seems to absolutely dominate he just he just looks like um, he just looks like Van Dijk really to me the, the way that no one seems to get past him yeah it'd be interesting to see actually if he, if he does um, I say I say if he does uh, when he does hopefully um, come come to the Premier League Um how he fares, you know, in comparison, because he, he's kind I mean, he is already being uh, compared with Van Dyke um, because of the style and, you know, all these sorts of different things. But um, as soon as he comes to the Premier League, it's going to be Van Dyke or Koulibaly. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be a constant comparison between the two. And um, we've obviously yeah. seen Van Dyke do it for a good few years now. So it'd be interesting to see what Koulibaly does if he comes and when he does come to the Premier League if he can replicate Van Dijk to some extent um, that will boost his uh, image so much he'll, he'll then be rated so much higher as a player I think yeah absolutely then I don't think I need to explain Van Dijk as my other centre back that much I think you've already done a good job of that um and to be honest, I think either of us could have just put him in there and said nothing more. Yeah. Uh, left back is Robertson. Um, 
I didn't. I considered Jordi Alba. There are a few more people you can consider for left back, like Douglas Costa, Marcelo, Alba, uh, Robertson are the main four that I really thought about. But I did go for Robertson in the end. He is another assist machine. Last season he had so many assists. I think it was eleven. Yeah. Only being beaten by Trent. Uh, this season he has the fourth most assists in the Premier League. And I actually rate his defensive ability as well. I think that he's very good at tracking back and getting into those good defensive positions as well as going forward. Yeah, I I probably didn't give Robertson enough um, enough credit for that. You know, he, he does track back, um, but I I can't really describe it. The thing, the, the the impression that I get from the likes of Alba and Marcelo. Um, I don't know whether it's the way that they're built or something like that, but they just seem to be, um, whether it's also the playing style, but they seem to be in a defender first and an attacker second. Um, whereas whereas the, the beauty about Robertson and the way that he works in that Liverpool team is that he's almost an attacker first and, and a defender second because when people talk about, and you know, some people will disagree with me on that, but when people talk about Robertson, they talk about his assists before they talk about his tackles or his his defensive ability. So I do believe that he's, you know, he's considered an attacker before a defender, which, which is a bit weird really, isn't it? Because it, it hasn't happened um, for a long yeah. time, I would say. Um, it, it is weird, but that's, that's clock more than anything. Yeah, definitely, say. definitely, definitely. And I, I, I think the, um, I think the Premier League actually, uh, lacks both style of, of left back now which sounds which sounds stupid to say but you know the only I think Robertson is the only left back in the league that does it well and you know works as an attacker first and a defender second. Um but we've had this conversation before as well and, and you've only really got Lucas Dinier from Everton that sort of adopts the style of like a Jordi Alba or a or a Marcelo that they can get forward and you know do a lot of damage with assists and what have you. But are also an amazing defender at the same time. The only other player in the Premier League you could consider as doing that is Van Arnholt. Yeah, yeah. And I don't don't think that's saying much really because Robbo's head and shoulders above him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Midfield, this is an interesting one now. I'm looking forward to hearing who you've chosen for your midfield. I struggled with this more than anything, actually. One of my choices... I'm actually not that happy with, right. um, but I've, I've stuck to it. Uh, who have you chosen in midfield? I'll go for I'll go for the um, I'll go for the one that that I struggled to to put in, but I put him in anyway. Um, and Golo Kante, uh, Leicester and Chelsea standout player at both clubs. Um, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of pundits have given um, Kante credit for is that you know he, he won the league with Leicester. Um, from a sort of humble humble beginning at Leicester and obviously nobody was expecting them to win the league and they did and Kante was a massive factor of them winning the Premier League that season um, so he goes to Chelsea he gets his big money move and we've seen it a million times before the player goes for their big money move and they don't perform but Kante then goes and wins the uh, win, wins the Premier League with Chelsea um, and you look back at that Leicester team and you have players like Danny Drinkwater you know, um, that played, I'd say, as as important a role as Kante did in that Leicester side. I think that's fair to say. 
Um, and then they went missing when they moved when they got their big money move afterwards. So the fact that Kante was able to continue that on, I think, shows a pretty special player. Um, and he's yeah. an absolute engine, absolute engine. There were quite a few players in that Leicester side that moved on. I think that the whole squad would cost around thirty million. Yeah. And then there were big transfers for you know, and they spent on their players with uh, Danny Drinkwater, Kante, yeah. and Mares. Uh, were the biggest name ones, I think. Yeah. Um, Danny Drinkwater's been a flop. Yeah. Mares yeah. went to City, won the league a few times now. Um, but has he really been... I mean, he, he did so well in the Ballon d'Or listings. He won the African Cup of Nations. But he's a brilliant player, but he hasn't really played that much of a role in the, the Man City squad, has he? No. It, yeah. I know what you mean. I get what you mean. It's it, it's, it, it's a one. debate that could be it's a debate that could be had for for ages and ages. Um, I think I think the thing about Mares though is that you know I don't know I, I don't want to say that he there's there's players that are miles better than him because you know that's not giving him enough credit and you know he, he has actually um, I can't remember what, which stat it was but the, he has actually really performed for City this season even though he hasn't been playing that regularly but you know N'Golo Kante was the player from that Leicester side definitely that has gone on and, and made an even bigger career for themselves since yeah. winning the league with Leicester right? yeah I think that's justification enough isn't it yeah definitely who else have you gone for um these two midfielders, I would say, um, have been the best two midfielders in the world for do you know, a good while. And they're unpopular choices to put in this, but I am going to back them up. I'm going to use the card of saying that they're, you know, they've played at a competitive level for a long time, and they've been part of a team, you know, building a team. Um, and their stats are just incredible. Uh, I've gone for the Man City partnership of David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne. Um, I when, thought you were. Yeah, when when I was originally thinking of of midfielders that, that that were you know comparable to these guys, in terms of what they've done for their club, you know you think back to the likes of Iniesta and, and Xavi, but actually, although they were both incredible players. You have to compare them to these two. I genuinely believe that, and and the level that that De Bruyne and um, Silva are playing at now, you know, is arguably more competitive, um, and they just they just turn up week in week out and perform. Uh, David Silva, three hundred and one appearances in the Premier League for City, fifty seven goals, fifty seven goals, ninety assists, um, which is incredible. Um, part of a major revolution that occurred at City and, and he's still in form, you know, he's still one of the best midfielders in the league. We can't we can't uh, forget that fact. Kevin De Bruyne, um, half the number of appearances, thirty one goals, sixty two assists. You know, still still an amazing player. Um, if Kevin De Bruyne continues in this way, it looks like he will beat Silver's already insane record at City. Um and I just I just don't have a bad word to say against either of them, especially since, you know, De Bruyne was um was cast aside by Mourinho at Chelsea and, you know, he was gonna be a flop and was never gonna make anything of his career and, and he got sold. Um and Kevin De Bruyne 
is one of the best, if not the best um, midfielder, I'd say, to ever play in the Premier League. I uh, think I think best, I'm fair in saying that. Best midfielder in the world right now. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Oh, that, no, that's why no. he's in the team. <laughs> um, I've gone for two choices that are the same in Kevin De Bruyne and N'Golo Kante for more or less the same reason. So yeah. uh, I won't go through those too much, but you know, you you set the the record to uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, the assist record and goal record that looks to smash many other Premier League players uh, and then go and Kante going from uh, humble beginnings at, at Leicester um, being I think he was like 5 million yeah. cost Leicester uh, and then winning the league with them winning the league with Chelsea and maintaining the ability to be one of the best midfielders in the world uh, had to go in the squad and then my last one who I'm uncertain about, truth be told, is the young. Yeah, yeah, controversial, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tough call, that. Especially, especially comparing it to David Silva. I mean, you know, there's an argument there, and I know the argument you're going to make, obviously, um, about how he's played now. He has certainly set the world alight. It, it's that argument about longevity in, in form, isn't it? You know, we, we, we're going, I mean, we've both picked... A mixture of, of players when we've used the longevity argument and players that are just in insane form at the moment. Yeah, it's my to be honest, my front three. Well, you could argue either way whether it's form or longevity. So my my front three tick both boxes. But just talking about De Jong for now, um, you know he did so amazingly at Ajax. Started as a centre back, moved to a CDM, then just a. a general sentiment position uh, and, then, and now at Barca he's playing a much more forward position which he's adapted brilliantly to it didn't look like he would yeah. um, but getting to the Champions League semi-finals and then getting that big money transfer Delit did the same thing but hasn't been as successful uh, whereas De Jong's gone to Barcelona now he's got uh, just listen to this a 94% pass success rate yeah. uh, I think he's talked about Constantly, it's the future of the Barca midfield post the Busquets era, Iniesta, those absolute legends of the game. Yeah. And the fact that he's even mentioned in the same breath as them shows that he must be one of the best players in the world right now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's um, I haven't followed him an awful lot since he moved to Barcelona, to be honest. But you know, because as always, I mean, as we as we saw most recently with Philippe Coutinho. It, you get a big money move to Barcelona, it can go one of two ways. And actually, um, recent uh, sort of the recent sort of trend would suggest that you're more likely for your t- career to take a bit of a dip, um, if you get a big money move than than for it to sort of take off and soar at, at a club like that. I'd say. Um, so for De Jong to still be sort of compared to the likes of. Xavi and Iniesta and Busquets, as you say, certainly shows he's got a bright future. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing is when you get that big money transfer to a club like Barcelona, having been the, the star player at Ajax, is that it must be then difficult to adapt to being around all these big names and not being um, the, the biggest name at the club anymore. Yeah, uh, and he's done that. He's played a much more a humble role, just making sure that he gets the passes around, playing that Barca style of play, uh, 
and he's, he's just done it brilliantly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Who have you gone for as your front three? This is uh, certainly when one where the most controversy can come in because, as I say, there are lots of arguments for longevity and current form. Yeah, I've got a feeling that we might actually agree on all three players though here, um, but we'll see. So, um, I, I've been a bit boring with my left wing and right wing, I'm afraid. Um, but, you know, the the quality of those two players, I was left with no choice in terms of um, when we're talking about a world 11, you know, the best players in the world at the moment. So it is Messi and Ronaldo. I'm, I'm specifically not going to give you any justification for why... Um, you why I've picked them because you you know if people want justification they can listen to the last seven podcasts where I've I've talked about them both um but the one thing I will say is that this is these two players you can use the longevity and inform argument with both both players are still the two best players in the world at the moment and have been for the vast majority of their careers um yeah. so they, they had to go in yeah did you consider um Jaden Sancho as right wing at all? Not at all. Not at all. Like, Messi like, and Ronaldo, first two names on the team sheet, just because simply for that. Um, because when I was thinking about how I was gonna how I was gonna tackle this, I didn't want to go um, too lopsided on current form because I thought I'm going to end up picking five players from the Liverpool team if I if I go off current form. Um, you know, because arguably if you go off current form, you could argue that oh well Premier League's harder so let's put Mane in there or whatever um but the the only two players that I knew I had to recognize in this team were Messi and Ronaldo yeah it's fair enough the only interestingly as you said Mane you could possibly put in there uh, the only two that I considered otherwise I say considered it, it was a fleeting thought yeah were both James Sancho who's actually the best right winger in the world right now, according to current form, right. with got 14 goals and I think 16 assists. Yeah. So that's he's had more goal contributions than anyone else in Europe. Um, and then left wing, you you can always argue Mane just for his sheer quality. Yeah, definitely. Um, but but no, I've been boring as well, and I've gone with Messi and Ronaldo. That they've had such long careers consistently winning Ballon d'Or which you know when you're voted by all the other players and journalists as the best players in the world for your whole career yeah. uh, it would be criminal for us to leave them out now absolutely absolutely who's your striker? Uh, Lewandowski um, simply because I, I read a few days ago a stat that I didn't realise he's um, the third player uh, ever to score forty goals in in five straight seasons. Um, the other the other two being obviously Messi and Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Uh, yeah. And you know he's an influential player for both Dortmund and Bayern. Um, I think it, it, it's a real shame that he um, and I know he won't now because it's too late in his career. Um, and I also wouldn't want him to do it this late in his career. But it was a shame that he never came to the Premier League. That was the only. Qualm I had about Lewandowski actually, because um, Aguero could have quite easily gone in there for me for what he's what he's done to the prem to the modern day Premier League. Um, you know, so it was not an easy decision to put Lewandowski in there, but 
Um, a stat like that you you can't you can't ignore. To score forty goals in one season is impressive. To score it in five straight seasons, to score it in five seasons in your career, incredibly impressive. To score it in five straight seasons in your career, unbelievable. So yeah. based on that it, purely, he's in. It always baffles me how he's not considered to be the best striker in the world. Um, we talked about it in Newcastle uh, on the student radio a few times, how he has got to be in contention for the Ballon d'Or mm. more than more than he actually is. Yeah. Um, like, he doesn't even get top five, which is, I think, ridiculous. And I uh, think... I, I same think, same so with well, Aguero. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think the the level is the is the deciding factor there. I mean, if you're a forward player and you're going for the Ballon d'Or and you're not Messi or Ronaldo, good luck. You know, it's um, good luck trying to get it. Uh, I think the only you know there's there's players that have come into contention like of Buffon and, and Van Dijk, but that's because they've been playing uh, different positions, not taking anything away from them, but they played different positions and played them like nobody else has ever played them. So that was what got them in the running for the Ballon d'Or. Um, but you know for a forward I mean we're going back to sort of the only other one that I can I can think of that's realistically sort of challenged Messi and Ronaldo um, to the Ballon d'Or consistently would be Zlatan but to say challenged you know again again it, it's not really you know they're not he didn't really challenge them did he because you know it, it, Messi and Ronaldo have won it consistently for so so long now um, yeah um I think I've got Lewandowski as well. Um, same same reasons. Such a, a brilliant career from when he started. I've been such an influential player in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Still, even towards the end of his career, he's scored the most goals in the league. Um, and it, it, as I say, it shocks me that he's not considered as being the best striker in the world, but alongside maybe uh, Aguero. Yeah, I I do believe that if uh, if he'd have if he'd have come to the Premier League and managed to replicate that, it could have been quite possible. I don't understand though how I mean whether it's just something that goes on more in Germany, but you know why Lewandowski never moved to a to a Madrid or a Barcelona, um yeah. from from Dortmund. You know I, he he had a brilliant career at Dortmund and then went to Bayern, but you almost expected him to move again to, to somewhere where he could really because Bayern, you know, haven't haven't won the um the the Champions League consistently for many, many years now. Um so you'd think a striker of his quality would end up going to somewhere that, you know, was guaranteed to, to win the Champions League every season. Yeah, the only problem is there is uh, when we talk about Real Madrid, that would have been the time when Ronaldo was there. Yeah, um, yeah. Barcelona. We completely forgot about Suarez. Well, Barcelona, no. Barcelona. I did. I, Suarez there. Yeah, I did consider Suarez, um, but I don't know what turned what turned me away from him actually, because uh, I did consider him. You know, he was, but he wasn't actually close to getting in. He he probably had to join the queue of of obviously Lewandowski, Aguero. Um, there was possibly another striker that went in front of him I don't know what it was because obviously he had such an amazing career at, at, at Liverpool and 
you know, had a had a really good career at Barcelona as well. Yeah. But he he went and improved the brilliant Barcelona team. Yeah. Um, but but no, I'm sticking to my guns here and saying Lewandowski. One last question I have for you is another Bundesliga player who, but quite recently, uh, moved to the Bundesliga is Erling Haaland. Yeah. He's the quickest to score five goals in the Bundesliga. Scored seven goals in his first three games. You have to bear with me. I'm going off the top of my head here. Yeah. Uh, and he scored ten goals in his nine games for the Bundesliga. That includes a hat trick coming off the bench uh, after like the sixtieth minute in his debut. Yeah. Now, if you tell me that he's not the most informed striker in the world right now, I'll tell you you're wrong. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. It's um, yeah, you have you have to you have to uh, you have to recognise it definitely. Um, I think you know, to for him to be considered in this, though, you, you can say that there's the inform argument and there's the longevity argument. But I think a lot of the the, the main reason why people wouldn't consider um, players like him when he's done what he's done after, you know, in such a short space of time is simply because it's been such a short space of time. You know, he set the world yeah. alight so quickly um, and now it's going to be... Because obviously what makes an amazing player like Messi or Ronaldo is that they manage to get up to that highest peak and then just stay there for, you know, over 10 years. Um, and that that's going to be the test with with um, Haaland now. You could you you know Mbappe Mbappe could have been thrown in there. You know Mbappe there we after we that's talked yeah we talked about um, we talked about him on last week's midweek. You know and we said he's actually got I think it was a, a goal contribution rating that was better than Messi or Ronaldo. But because he's only done that over a few se- you know whether it's two or three seasons, you don't you don't want to. Um, put your neck on the line and say, yeah, he's going to be the best in the world. And you, know, you, you perfectly explained there why I didn't go for either of those two. Yeah. Because you just don't know what's going to happen now for the rest of their career. I'm yeah. sure they're going to be absolutely fantastic and continue setting the world alight. Yeah. But playing nine games in the Bundesliga, all right, you, before you come to the Bundesliga, you scored a hat-trick of hat-tricks and you were first under 20 to get five goals in the Champions League and all that. Yeah. Brilliant. And Mbappe, you've got a goal contribution better than Messi and Ronaldo. You're playing in arguably a Mickey Mouse League. Uh, you've won the World Cup with a brilliant team, but obviously he was a stand-up performer in that World Cup. Yeah. But that's why neither of them in my team, they just haven't done it for a long enough time yet. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. It, it was a difficult one to do. You know, the World Eleven. I, I think the reason why... It, that was such a difficult um, eleven to put together was because there were so many factors that you had to put in. So, and the more factors you considered, the more players sort of were in your pool of uh, of selection. You know, so, um, but a good one nonetheless. Yeah, uh, and I'm just looking now. I think we've chosen three, five, six, six players the same, and the right back we had the same two options. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's difficult to argue those ones, but if anyone else wants to, then please let us know. We'd love it if you could disagree with us and tell us your thoughts. Uh, but until then, uh, we'll, you'll hear from us this Saturday at 7pm. And thanks for tuning in.